millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there and welcome to another Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. Now, in the weeks ahead, COVID supervisors and COVID safety officers will become the most important people in sports clubs around the country. But what exactly will be expected in such roles? And today's podcast guest is well-placed to help us answer some of those questions. John Manigan is Managing Director of SM Safety Limited, and we welcome him to our podcast today. Sean has over 20 years of experience in various disciplines of health and safety, along with project management across several sectors, including manufacturing, construction, and retail. And now he can add another line to his LinkedIn page with his appointment last week as Old Crescent RFC's club COVID safety officer. And uh, as I said, delighted to welcome Sean to the podcast. Uh, Sean, before we get in about COVID, let's talk about your day job and your background. Uh, of course, you were a former player with Old Crescent and a little birdie told me you were a, a top AIL try scorer back in the day as well. Back in the day, yeah. When, when, when you used to get a pass maybe once every game, if you were lucky. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, no, I, I played on one of the successful teams in Old Crescent back in the 90s when we got promotion from the second division up to the first division. And we kind of flip-flopped a little bit between uh, one and two back in the day. But, um, yeah, it was an enjoyable time to play rugby and uh, giving my old club a, a bit of a plug. We always tried to play attractive rugby. Um, didn't always necessarily translate on the score scoreboard, but... Um, we, we used to give it a, a go and throw it around a little bit. Okay, that was, uh, well, we, we won't name the year anyway for all of that, Sean, just to say that you had that record anyway as the top try scorer for Old Crescent uh, in the All-Ireland League. But in between then and now, you've uh, carved out an impressive career in the professional world. Let's talk a bit about that because really that is the background to today's conversation. Yeah, um, and I suppose it's, it's one of those things that's um, come around in the last 20 years, 15 years, uh, as being very important to business, industry, you know, wh whatever sector you might be in. Um, due, I suppose, in a lot of ways to insurance premiums, insurance requirements on businesses. Um, so trying to make things as safe for employees as possible when they're at work has become very important to companies. And I suppose that's some, something that, in a way, I won't, not quite fell into it, but I saw an opportunity when I was working in an environmental role in Dell Computers here in Limerick and went and got a, a qualification in health and safety to marry with the environmental work I was doing. And then the environmental or the health and safety opportunities started to grow so um, ultimately that allowed me then to branch out my own and as you said there at the start kind of carve a, a bit of a niche for myself um, which has brought me you know from one client at the very beginning to two to three to four to several clients now 
um, working for them and with them, with the, the goal always being to try and make things as safe as possible for the employee. Okay, well, the safety of employees and the general public as the dynamic of that has changed so much in the last couple of weeks. Often we'd be talking about, you know, hard hats and building sites and, and those type of things. But now you're you're countering a, an invisible enemy in one way. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's it's an extra, it's an add-on, um, because all, as you said, all the hard hats, the high vis, you know, that all has to happen as well. Um, and now we're trying to get guys, you know, to stay in line with the, the government guidelines, um, to get them to kind of follow through. And if everybody does their bit, they protect themselves and they protect me and vice versa. So it's, you know, again, it's a little bit of teamwork, you know, the rugby background has helped. It's about getting guys doing things for the collective, you know, by doing it themselves, they help me. I help them by doing it for them, you know. So it's it, it's a bit of teamwork, you know. And what I've found, you know, on the the side in the last the last two weeks since we opened up, is that everybody is keen to do what's required to ensure that the side stays open and they stay working. Because ultimately, we all want to be earning some money at this time of the year, you know, or, or any time we want to be working. Um, so everybody's pulling their weight. It would seem. On, on our site uh, and obviously across the, the board because um, the guidelines are fairly straightforward, but it's a case of getting that message to the guys and ensuring that they follow through as well. Okay, how big of a challenge is it going to be, Sean, not just for rugby clubs, but for GAC clubs, for soccer clubs, for sports clubs in general to live life in the new normal? I, I think it's could be difficult but it might not be as difficult as we might think just at the moment um a lot of the the different organizations or associations are putting out roadmaps as to how to do things um and i suppose we will take that lead um with regard to rugby and soccer there's potentially the professional teams can could take a lead and we the amateurs then can take a lot of what they'll find out and um, try, do, and measure back down to us if it works. Um, the GA don't have that at the moment. <laughs> they don't have that professional area that rugby and soccer do. So rugby and soccer could use that as their test area, if you like, see what, what they're doing. Um, I think in the soccer sphere, there's, there's four teams which have been... Um, taken and they're being tested and they're doing training and that kind of thing um, and all the while that information that they're garnering from those four teams could be used to filter down then through their association to help the amateurs as in this works and we've done this this and this a training and we haven't had any infections so there, there's there's some very good information out there but it needs to be filtered down through the associations um, I, I spoke of the GA there not having that option, but they can learn from the other guys because rugby and soccer having the professional teams have a little bit of an umbrella of cover in that when their players are playing, they're going to be at a, in a workplace. So there's health and safety legislation 
which states that those clubs, um, the soccer clubs or the likes of Leinster, Munster, Connacht, Ulster here in Ireland, um, they have to do as much as is reasonably practical to keep their employees safe while at work. Now, for the amateurs, the club rugby player, the club soccer player, the GA player, that little umbrella of cover isn't there for the associations, but it could be. There's no reason why that couldn't be put into some of the guidelines that are coming down for the amateurs, because we're, we're looking at bringing guys back to training, bringing back guys back for games, uh, but we can't guarantee that it's going to be safe. We can't guarantee that they're not going to contract COVID-19. So we're, we're in a little bit of a come on, but we can't guarantee anything. So it's, it might fall back on the individual, even though the club is trying to help them all get together. Okay. In terms of the here and now, Sean, what exactly are you and Old Crescent putting in place in, in the days ahead? So in the days ahead, we're, I suppose you could nearly say it's embryonic as to what we're, we're developing. But we're, we're getting some guidance from the IRFU. Um, there's further guidance due uh, on Tuesday in the form of a webinar for COVID-19 compliance officers. Um, so that will lead us a little bit in one direction. But I suppose from my own background, the first thing that's going to be done uh, and that we need to document is a risk assessment as to how our members in Old Crescent could possibly be exposed to the hazard of COVID-19 if they come back training. That will be the first step. So we'll be looking at, well, how are they going to get to training? You know, what training can we do? Where can they, have we the space that's needed to social distance and train at the same time? Um, you know, what kind of sanitization protocols will we need to put in place for the players themselves, the equipment that we're using. Um, and one of the most important things potentially will be how do we deal with somebody who might get injured at training? Can a first aider or can the physio go over and do the usual work or do we have to self-isolate because we can't touch him in case he's, you know. Um, there, there's, a, there's a few unanswered or unanswerables, I should say, there at the moment, but we have to start somewhere. So we'll be risk assessing what we can, trying to put controls in place to uh, minimize the chance of the hazard occurring. And then it'll be a working document that we'll need to review, measure, change, define what we're doing again, measure it again, and see what is helping and what needs to be changed. So, what, what, like, given that this is your professional job, Sean, what advice would you give, for example, a GAA club or a soccer club listening to this and they are trying to put together that risk assessment document? What resources are there for them or what, what should be on their to-do list as far as you're concerned? Well, as I say, try and follow the guidelines of the association that you're working for, number one. Then, I suppose, take your, your lead from the guidelines that the HSE has implemented over the last, is it three months now or four months, through the lockdown and through the reopening phases. You're looking at, with regard to COVID-19, hand hygiene, social distancing, and being able to just uh, identify 
the potential symptoms so that if you are a player returning to training or play, that if you have a cough, breathing difficulties or a fever, you're smart enough to know they are symptoms and you don't turn up and bring that to your team, which would effectively close the, the club and potentially the, the phase we're in down again if we were to get a cluster outbreak at a, at a club. In relation to the players, given we'll take Old Crescent, like I, I presume you have teams from what, under six, under seven, all the way up to your your senior team uh, and oh, all the points yeah. in between. Is there going to be space and latitude for all of those to return or will you prioritise who comes back first? I think, like I was alluding to earlier with regard to the, the lead that we might be able to take from the likes of Munster and they returning to play, um, I think this, the smartest uh, approach would be to start with the adult teams um, who we can control better, if you like, um, and put controls in place and then see how they work and then filter that down through the, the age groups. If the IRFU, if that is part of their roadmap. Um, I haven't seen the, that kind of detail as to what age groups are to be brought back in. As far as I'm aware, it's the AIL teams that are looking to return initially and from there, perhaps other teams in other age groups will come back, depending, I suppose, on the success of the the uh, protocols and the controls that get put in place and how that develops through to the next phase of uh, the opening up, I suppose. Hmm. Do you think that sports clubs in general will have to have some maybe structural changes in terms of you know, putting up hand sanitizers, zoning off areas, closing down sections, etc.? Yes, I, I think there will. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive in any way, you know, it doesn't have to be big infrastructure, but it, you know, they'll have to have definitely the sanitization stations, um, areas where uh, players, club members can, you know, wash their hands, you know, it's open water if there isn't sanitization facilities, um, or if they're going to get dirty, you know, which is, you know, a common occurrence in a, for a rugby player, if your hands get dirty, you need to be able to wash them when you're finished um, and then sanitize and then you're you're okay, but it's. It, I suppose it just needs to be taken, you know, in a a cautious, phased approach to opening up. Um, and I suppose to go back to what how how we started on this vein, the adult teams would be where you'd start. Identify what works, use that, and then keep filtering down the the practices that work best, and keep using those. And anything new then that might come up or any improvements you might be able to make, then great, add to those. But you've got to start somewhere in a controlled environment and then start opening that up or opening it up to the other teams as you see how something works. I think ultimately, though, from talking to Sean, you can have all the procedures and protocols in place, but the ultimate thing it isn't anything structural, it isn't anything physical, it's, it's the actual mental, the, the, the buy-in from the players and the, the individuals themselves. It's as much psychological as anything else. It, it will be, you know, it will be a behaviour change to some extent as well. Um, you know, getting guys to, to think about what's going on uh, for them at the training they're going to turn up to. What do 
What do they need to do to keep themselves safe and what can we do to help them stay safe? You know, it's, I suppose it's a case of um, not trying to reinvent the wheel. We've, we've gone through our lockdown. We had certain um, things that we needed to do during lockdown and we're going to try and do those again as we open up. But in the rugby club scene, as I said, good hand hygiene, uh, respiratory etiquette and social distancing to start with will be the, the I suppose the, the pillars that we'll we'll be working on. If we can if we can do those things, then we limit the potential for spread because it's never happened to me that somebody's coughed or sneezed into my face. So if we maintain our social distancing and we have good cough etiquette, i.e. we catch it into our the mm-hmm. bent elbow, you know, the chances of of spread is quite low once you provide good hand hygiene with those two elements. How badly hit were all Crescent by the, the shutdown in terms of revenue and bar closes and everything like that? Because I know sports clubs and AIL clubs in particular were severely um, hampered in the last couple of weeks of, of the lockdown as the season would have been drawing to a conclusion. No, I, I wouldn't have specifics, column, but I'm sure, you know, part of it has has been a problem for the club to try and, you know, recoup potential revenues like that. Um, but the club, the club will rally, you know, we'll do what we need to do to ensure that the club keeps going. We've gone through hard times before, whether it's been because of the, <laughs> the state of play or whatever, but Old Crescent is resilient. Um, we'll bounce back. You know, we had a great opportunity this season to potentially get promotion up to the next um, the next division above us. Um, so that opportunity is gone, but the players are still where they are. Um, the goals will be very similar again, um, and we just start again when we're able to start. Um, it's without a doubt there, there's been a revenue hit, but every club has been hit the same way. Um, and unfortunately, the fact that the the decision was to stop and basically say that the season was null and void, that's happened across the board. So nobody's nobody gains and nobody loses out potentially. We're just where we were at the start. So we've just got to pick it up again and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get results on the pitch, which will lead to success. The one bit of advice you'd give all those clubs, all those personnel that are kind of considering uh, helping out becoming safety officers or COVID officers in their club, common sense, probably the, the number one thing to have in all of this? Absolutely. Common sense, whether it's COVID-19 regulations or health and safety regulations, will get you 90% of the way to achieving what you want to achieve. As I said earlier, you know, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel with the controls that you need to put in place for your, your team and your, your club members coming back to training. Just follow through with what we've all been doing for the last couple of months and a little bit more just in regard to you know, keeping equipment clean, um, ensuring that there's uh, safe ways in and out of the club you know, potentially have have one way instead of everybody meeting in the car park and congregating, ensure that they come in a timely manner um, and, you know, move to where they need to be and have structure in place for the sessions when people are coming 
and when they're leaving as well. We'll say you, you were mentioning beforehand to me that you're sitting down watching the news and watching Dr. Tony Holohan every night, who's doing, I think we all agree, an absolutely fantastic job. If you had the chance to sit down face to face with him and ask him a few questions from a sporting perspective, what would you say to him? Well, one of the questions I'd, I'd love to ask him or have him answer, it would be with regard to the length of time the virus stays on certain surfaces. So I suppose in the rugby context, what we'd like to know or have some information on would be, for example, how long is the virus likely to stay on a rugby ball or some of the equipment that we might use at a training session like cones or, you know, that, that kind of thing so that when we finish, for example, on a Tuesday evening, do we need to go and steam clean all the, the balls and the cones that we used at the training session? Or if we leave them until the Thursday night, is that long enough for the virus to dissipate and be gone and no longer be a threat when we use them on the Thursday night? So, you know, bits of research like that would be very helpful as all the different clubs of the different associations in Ireland start to open up because we're all volunteers, I suppose, in this at the moment. Um, and we want to do our best, but we need to get some information as well as to how best to do it and the most efficient way to do it so that we can best use our volunteers' time as well as possible. Uh, one of the notes that I saw there in terms of the GA's uh, roadmap to returning to play is in terms of training and having a COVID officer with a team keeping track of who's there and temperatures, et cetera, et cetera, which strikes me as a lot of paperwork. Are, are you of the opinion that a lot of this can be done now with technology in terms of apps and and, and the like? I, I would think so, Colin. Um, I think there is an opportunity um, for somebody to develop it. I'm not very tech savvy as in that regard, but you would think there, there is scope for the development of an app that could be used across all the clubs. You know, we're all going to be taking very similar amounts of information. Like you said, who's coming to training? What's their phone number or contact information? What, what temperature they had when they arrived, if we're taking temperatures as they arrive? Um, you know, and then being able to have a quick way of contacting that group afterwards in case there is a problem so that if there is a problem it can be we, we can uh, corral it or we can um, catch it as early as possible and inform the guys involved as early as possible so that it doesn't spread any further if possible okay and and do you think in 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 the immediate future obviously sean everybody's going to be desperate to get out onto the fields etc do you think it would be better if clubs maybe just look at having one designated training night or two designated training nights until they get things up to speed rather than opening the gate and, and having something every night of the week, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, you know, a little bit like the, the government and Dr. Hulhan has, has done for the country, a phased approach would be the good approach to have. Um, because I think, you know, two weeks of um, careful, considered, structured training for a club team, followed by a rollout then for other teams within the club. Once it has been seen that the protocols, the structures, the processes that have been put in place 
are working and there's control around the training sessions and what we're doing. If, if we open it up and be brave and say, look, we reckon there isn't much of a threat, let's go for it, hell for leather. That's where mistakes can be made. You don't know everybody that's turning up to the club on a given night and therefore contact tracing becomes a problem. You don't know where potentially the hazard could come from. So I think caution is the right way to approach it. Very like how the government and Dr. Holland have advised us to open things up on a phased and controlled basis. And only after, I suppose, measurement and analysis have they seen, yes, this is working, that's working, and therefore we can now start to open in another area and another area. So the cautious phased approach is the way I would be advising all present. Okay, Sean, we're going to have to leave it at that. We could have had this conversation running on for another hour or two, and I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of questions in the uh, weeks and uh, months ahead, and who knows, we might be back to you. We're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, Sean Manigan, Managing Director of SM Safety Limited and also All Crescent RFC's Club COVID Safety Officer. Thank you so much for your time and the best of luck to you and to the club in the weeks ahead. Thanks very much, Colin. Thanks again for joining us on the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. And don't forget, you can read the full Irish Examiner and every supplement just as they are printed. Anytime, anywhere, on your phone, your PC or your tablet using our e-paper. Just visit irishexaminer.com forward slash e-paper for all the details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.